Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are So this is what we'll do today. Um, I have a, a word that I want to share, but before I share my word, I'm going to ask uh, another voice in our church, a brother of ours, to come in, and he's going to do something. Um, he's going to share a word and uh, a dynamic, or I don't know what to call it, but it's, it's going to be something that I, th- I think is going to be beneficial for us, especially coming off of last week, speaking of, and, and in the weeks uh, prior, speaking about what we have to offer and our gifts, our talents, and how we could use them. Uh, for the kingdom and even here within our own nest. So uh, I'm going to invite Rizzo to come and stir the pot. Amen. And um, as Rizzo uh, starts us off, he'll bless us and then I'll come on after him. So thank you, Rizzo, for your obedience. Thank you, Pastor Rigo. Blessings, Nest fam. How are y'all today? Amen. Amen. It's great to be here. And uh, I want to ask, how many were blessed by last Sunday's Nest team rally? Raise your hand. Come on, clap it up. Yeah, I know I was blessed, and it's exciting to see when the body of Christ comes together and gets excited about serving and building up God's kingdom. Uh, but especially, this is especially true for me, when I see people exercising their unique spiritual gifts. And that's why I titled this message as, wow, look at all these gifts. But before we get into that, I actually want to highlight the life of the person who brought us the teaching on spiritual gifts, and that's the Apostle Paul. And many of you are familiar with his conversion story. You know, he was on the road to Damascus with his entourage, and he probably had his little turban on with like a really mean face because he had, you know, all this hatred stirring in his heart. And if I had the ability to read his thoughts, I feel like he would probably say something like, I, Saul of Tarsus, Vow to eradicate these so-called followers of the way from the face of the earth until my final breath. (laughs) But I know what you're probably thinking. It's like, Rizzo, you play too much. The Bible doesn't say that. Well, (laughs) that's why I want to invite you to turn with me to the first passage we're going to look at. And it's in Acts chapter 9. And we're going to be reading from the New International Version, starting in verse 1. And it reads, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Okay, so I admit, I did use some creative license here, but I'm okay with using creative license because I believe it adds color to the story. As long as it doesn't contradict anything else in the Bible, then we're good. So let's continue. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now, there's a common misconception here that that people think that this is the point in the story where Paul, or I'm sorry, where Saul actually changed his name to Paul. But the actual thing is that Paul had two names because he had dual citizenship. You see, Saul was his Jewish name and Paul was his Roman name. Now, what I intend to do today with this first, uh, with, with highlighting Paul's life is kind of give you like a quick montage of several key points in his life. So we're going to fast forward now to Acts 11. So it's Acts 11, verse 25 and 26. And it reads, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So this is the first time, the first point in history where people who are followers of Jesus are actually called Christians. And also, this is the point in the story where Paul meets up his ministry partner, Barnabas. So now, we're going to fast forward to Acts 13. Starting in verse 1, and it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets teacher, and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Serene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were there, worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So this is the point in the story where Paul goes on his very first missionary trip. Now sometimes you read the Bible, and we kind of read these events. And even though they sound cool, you know, sometimes we kind of like miss certain details that, that kind of give us insight into it, specifically like chronological details, and that, that also provide context. And that's why I'm a firm believer in the philosophy of that scripture interprets scripture. So I was reading Galatians one day, and I was like, wow. And it actually, not only did it give me encouragement into something that I read, but also it helped me put together and connect the dots to these three points in Paul's life. So if you turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have, on the f we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. So two things stand out to me in this, in this passage right here. And the first thing that I want to mention is that this passage specifically mentions what Paul the Apostle's purpose, God-given purpose was, and, and that is to go to the Gentiles, to be a missionary to the Gentiles, to be an apostle to the Gentiles. But there was another piece of information here that really provided some encouragement in my life, and that was all the way back in verse 1, and it said, then after 14 years. Now, why is this significant? Because maybe we're in a season of life that we're waiting, you know, and maybe you've known the Lord for some time and you've asked yourself, like, Lord, what is my purpose? What is my God-given, you know, the, my God-given mission here on earth? And maybe in that season of waiting, you continue to ask yourself and you get discouraged. But look at Paul. He didn't go on his he didn't enter and step into his actual calling until 14 years after his conversion. And many Bible scholars believe that in those 14 years, Paul was studying the scriptures and growing in his faith. 
And that's what I believe that God is calling us to do, to study the scriptures and to grow in our faith. And one of the ways that we grow in our faith is by being part of a local community, a local faith-based community such as Nest, like this, and plugging into the ministries that are offered here. And not only that, but also exercising our spiritual gifts in a way that honors and glorifies God. Now, you're probably asking, like, Rizzo, you've been speaking about these gifts. Is there an actual place in the Bible that lists or describes these gifts? Well, it actually does. There's two places. And I have, I'm going to have the AV team put them up on the screen right now. So the first list is in Romans 12. So as soon as they come up, we'll, uh, we'll get into that. There we go. So as you can see, the first list is in Romans 12, 6 through 8. And we have prophesying. We have serving, also known as ministering. We have teaching. We have encouraging, also known as exhortation. We have giving. We have leadership, also known as administration. And we have mercy. And then in the second list from 1 Corinthians 12, we have word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, also known as working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, also known as discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, depending on what Bible version you're reading, it's going to describe them differently. And also, if you're reading a, a Spanish version, it's going to be called dones, D-O-N-E-S, not regalos. Just <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so uh, in, in case you've ever wondered, like, man, you know, like, what are my gifts? You know, there's actual resource that we want to let you guys know about, and it's now available through our Nest app. So if you haven't downloaded the Nest app, now's the perfect opportunity to do that. So if you open up your Nest app, all the way at the bottom of the screen, there's going to be a more tab. And once you click on that more tab, there's going to be on the following screen, there's going to be a spiritual gifts test. Now, this test is a survey style test that presents different ministry scenarios where you can rate your interest on a scale of one to five, where one being you're the least interested and five being you're the most interested. Now, there's no right or wrong answers here, but once you take this test, you're going to receive a detailed report with your results, and it looks something like this. So this is my personal results. And as you can see, uh, under each gift, there's a brief description, and then under that, there are Bible verses associated with each gift. So what I encourage you guys to do now is, you know, when you have some time to take this test, and then once you read your results, prayerfully consider which of these gifts God is calling you to exercise in the current season, and also develop for maybe a future season, but also read prayerfully read the verses associated with your gifts. And, you know, it's possible that we're all coming together now, you know, in this season where God is calling us to, to use our gifts. And, but maybe this, this current season is of waiting that we're all in is like an incubation for these gifts. And it's quite possible that you might have to do something unremarkable for an extended period of time so that one day you could finally do something that's worthy of remark. So brothers, sisters, I pray that you're blessed by this information. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me after service in regards to this. Blessings to you, fam. And I leave you with Pastor Rigo. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so what we've been doing is we, we really want to encourage um, individuals just to use gifts and, and to use what the Lord has given you and to really pray into that and see, you know, how can I use my gift here at Nest? How can I use my gift outside of Nest? Um, and I think uh, there's something uh, beautiful there to pray about 
and something very important and have reverence over that. Um, never searching for a platform. Oh, yes, I found my gift. Give me the platform. It's, it's to use your gifts even outside these walls. But at least you could practice them and work together and be held accountable within this family. Amen? So with gifts, I, I, I want to share something because I, I, I know that we continue. We're going to be discussing this and sharing this, um, I believe, obviously for the weeks to come. But I started to think about today and, and uh, speaking with Rizzo as he was going to present this. Um, I wanted to share this. And, and it's funny because I was, I was studying. The Lord took me to this passage and this route in Scripture where I, I, in my mind last week, it's not where I was uh, situated at. But throughout the week in prayer and studying his word and reading, it, it, I guess he shifted me a little bit uh, to something that is very important. And that's kind of what I want to do today. And I want to be um, obedient to the Lord rather than sharing what I thought I wanted to share. And I think that's what's important. Amen. Um, I could share what I felt would have been catchy. And, but I want to make sure I'm obedient and share what I felt it was on God's heart. And um, that's what I want to do today. And, and I'm going to somehow bridge this together. Because think about this. Since the year has started, since the year has started, uh, we've been having conversations um, here at Ernest. And the conversations um, have been about what would it look like for us to rise up, to serve, and to love at a greater capacity. How many of you would say, yeah, that's what we've been hearing here since 2022 started? That's what we've been hearing. And, and I, I started to think about just that statement right there. And that's good, that's good uh, to hear, for all of us to hear. For those that are not here that would hear this at a, at a later time. I'm sorry, is it something you got touched. There's a little bit of feedback. I'm gonna go, my ADD is going to go crazy. <laughs> all right. So, so that's good right there. So it's good when, when, when you listen to this. It all sounds good and it all sounds right. But that we need to serve God. And we've been talking about that. We talk, we've been speaking about our mission statement, what our, what our vision is, and, and what it looks like to serve God, to love God, and to serve and love uh, people. And I hope we all agree on that. Because if we don't agree on that statement, to love God and love people, then there's some deep discipleship and growth that we all have to take because that's of great importance. So uh, we would all agree on that, hopefully. And we know that, that as we're speaking and as Rizzo shared this, that we've all been given certain gifts. We've all been given certain gifts. I don't believe that there's anyone that, that could be here and say, I don't think I have a gift. I don't have anything to offer unto the Lord. I, I think I just come here and it's empty. No, we all have certain gifts. And, and, and we've learned that weeks back. And we're continuing to have that conversation. And these are gifts that are not meant to be kept to ourselves. But these are gifts that we use we use it to serve others, and in serving others, we've learned that we're also serving the Lord. We're honoring the Lord. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 25, when the Lord is, 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 is teaching and, and he's sharing something. But I want to just grab a section out of that teaching now and, and, just, and just share it with you. It's when they, they came up to him and they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When, and, and not feed you or thirsty or give you a drink. Obviously, this is the 37 saying this, but the unrighteous saw him hungry and didn't feed him. Uh, saw him thirsty and, and didn't give him a drink. But the righteous come and say, when did we do all this? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in naked and clothe you when you were naked? Or, or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to, come to you to, to visit you there and and the king replies and he says to them, so important, he says, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And that's, very, that's a very important scripture. And read through Matthew chapter 25 so you could really see the, the heart and the teaching behind that. But you could see that as we serve others, uh, we're serving the Lord and the Lord is watching us here on earth. He's watching what we do, what we don't do. And how many of us would say amen? You know, we, we just quoted this in Matthew 25. And amen, it's time to work the field. It's, it's time to, to gather the harvest. Amen. Yes, I agree that it's time to rise up, pastor. It's time to serve and it's, and it's time to love. Again, amen, amen. Yes, yes. That does sound good. It sounds good. But I have a responsibility. And in my responsibility, I want to make sure that I'm faithful in it. I can't leave you disillusioned. I have to tell you the truth as I encourage you to risk. 
as I encourage you to, to take a step forward in faith and encourage people constantly to take steps of faith, to take a risk. It's, it's, it's constant conversations. Though this all sounds good, what we're saying. And, and you could go on and you could, you could click stuff to see what spiritual gifts are and, and so on and so forth. And, and you, you, you look at all this stuff and you get all excited and you start to pray all that. I want to share this with you. It's very important for you to know this. And you should write this down in your notes. That there is a cost. There's a cost. Every single one of us has a gift. And we're called to use it. That which God has given us. We're called to use it for his kingdom, to honor his name. And there's a cost. And there's a cost. I want to sit on a passage here with you for a moment. And it's found in Luke chapter 14. You could turn there. I'm going to start off in verse uh, 25. But before I start reading from verse 25 and on, the verses prior from the ones that I'm about to read, Jesus is having this great conversation. He, he speaks about a banquet and inviting people to the banquet. and I mean, it's an amazing passage. But as you read uh, Luke 14, verses 16 through 24... You'll catch something. Hopefully you'll catch this. It's what I'm going to share with you. Write this down. And Jesus makes it clear that there's more to being his follower than simply just accepting the invitation. Like we're asking you, we're inviting you to use your gifts, right? We, we want you to be used. We, we want you to do great things uh, for the kingdom. We, we want to use you here at Nest. God wants to use you outside of this church and, and all these things. But, but, but Jesus is making it clear that, wait a minute, being a follower, it's, it's more than just accepting just an invitation. It goes deeper. And that's kind of what I want to follow. I want to follow the flow of what he's saying, but I want to catch it on verse 25. For, for the sake of time, I won't read the, the verses prior. In your own study time, you could do that and go deep on that, verses 16 through 24. But on verses 25 through 33, maybe whatever translation you're reading from, it, 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 it um, labels it as the cost of being a disciple. That's what it titles it. Or maybe it says the cost of discipleship. Or another translation would title it, leaving all to follow God. If you follow God, you serve God, right? The cost of discipleship. One of my favorite books by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But leaving all to follow Christ. So let's get into this and let's see what the Lord wants to share with us. It says in verse 25 that a large crowd was following Jesus and he turned around and he said to them. And look at this church. Hey, if you want to be my disciple, everyone say disciple. Yeah. If you want to be my learner, if you want to be a learner, a student, a true student, a, a follower. Look what he says. You must, by comparison, you, you must hate everyone else, your, your father and your mother, your wife and children. Maybe you're a guest and you're hearing this or you're online hearing this for the first time. What kind of church is this? Hate your father and your mother, wife and children. Some, you can't go home and say, I see, pastor told me I have to hate you. Jesus said it in his own words, honey. Let me give you the verse. No, let's not. Let's keep reading. Your brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. He says, otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. These, these are the very words of Jesus. If you're going to take anything seriously, if you're going to weigh out anything, weigh out the words of Jesus, amen? And you may say, whoa, this is so extreme. This is so intense, Lord, that you would say such a thing to this crowd of people. <laughs> you know what I do, right, when I hear this? I say, Jesus, you really took a step, man. What happens if they interpret it wrong? <laughs> I mean, that's just the way I think. Because you know for sure everyone in that crowd, not everyone was going to interpret it. It's like when he says, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into heaven with one eye than with both, hands go, with, with both eyes go to hell. And you're like, oh, my gosh. What happens if they take that and they don't know the interpretation of that? They don't know. the, And, you know, you, you, you think of that, right? But, but Jesus, man. Doesn't hold back truth. Jesus, man, his, the way he teaches, I mean, his wisdom is, whew, if you could just have 1% of his wisdom. 
how intense is this? How, how extreme is this, Lord? And, and, and in return, this is what he would say as we're saying, Lord, why would you say such an intense thing? And his answer would be this, because the love that you're to have for me should not be put to comparison to any other relationship that you love. Wow. His heart would tell us, I want to take you to depths that no other relationship can. I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to really ponder on that and, and, and figure out what it is that he's trying to tell us today. And if you can't do this, he, he says something at the end of that statement. Church, I mean, we got to take the whole word. We can't just like, uh, let's not say the ones that are kind of like country. No, say it all. He says, if you can't do this, then you can't be my disciple. Like he's really pointing at something here. He's really, he's really poking at the, at, the, at the crowd, at their hearts. And, and he says this in verse 27. If you don't, not only there, I'm not going to just stop there. He goes in verse 27. He says, oh, this also. <laughs> if you don't carry your own cross, if you don't follow me, you cannot be my disciple. More, There's more to it? <laughs> you didn't just stop at the, your own life, your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters. Like, there's more? If I don't carry my own cross and follow you, I can't be your disciple? Verse 28, he says, but don't begin until you count the cost. Don't keep reading. Just stop there for a moment. Don't, don't, don't keep going. Because, you know, we read the Bible with chapters and verses, but when Jesus spoke it, he didn't say pause, period, chapter 24, verse like he, That's not how they spoke, okay? It was a teaching. He was teaching. He was speaking. He was having a conversation. And I want you to think about everything that he has said already. Please don't miss it. There's a large crowd. We've already spoken last, in, in the weeks prior about what large crowd sounds like and looks like. And in this large crowd, he's not worried about like, oh, I want to continue to speak a word so that the crowd could get larger. He's actually going to come in and poke at certain things in their heart to really uh, shift to see who's really in the crowd is my follower. <laughs> Because he recognizes it when there's a crowd. In this crowd, there are great gifts. But I wonder who in here is truly going to come and step closer and truly be a disciple and use what I've given them for my kingdom. Come on, in a, in a crowd like this right here, who really is going to step forward and truly be a disciple and use their gifts for the kingdom of God, knowing that as I use my gift, hey, there's a cost. Are you with me? Come on, take the test today. But as you get your answers, there's a cost. Number one, hey, pastor, I'm, a, I'm teaching, so can I teach next Sunday? My answer to you is like, no, you want to start teaching? Awesome. Here's the mop. Start mop, mopping. That's your platform. Oh, but, but my spiritual gift was teaching. Good, teach someone how to mop well. <laughs> but seriously, I'm joking in, in, a, in a way, right? You, but you get what I'm trying to say. You, you, you recognize, like, wait a minute, with what God's giving me, am I truly, why do I want to use it? What do I want to use it for? Is it really for his kingdom to win souls and to please him? Is it because I'm really called to be a disciple, a true follower, a student? That, that's what I'm trying to say. The whole mopping thing is just an illustration. But what's the motive behind it? I just want to surrender it all and give it to the Lord. So think about everything that he's saying. Everything that he has just said. And then he goes on to say, but don't begin until you count the cost. Everyone say count the cost. And, and here it is. I love this. I love this, right? Count the cost. But if I'm being honest with you, may, maybe not. I don't really love it. It's something at my age and in my time of serving him, in my years of serving him and years of walking with him, He's still teaching me in this. And if you've been with the Lord for 10 years, 20 years, 10 days, 40 years, 60 years with the Lord, walking with the Lord, whatever your anniversary is with God, you would still say he's still teaching me what it means to count the cost. He's still teaching me what it means. So to say, oh my God, I love this. No, counting the cost is not always easy. Counting the cost, it takes something. This is true. True Christianity we're talking about here. True discipleship. True followers of Jesus. We're not talking about like sign up, registered, and you got saved. We're talking about sign up, register, and now you're dying daily. 
Hallelujah. So if I'm honest, it's not always that good. It's not always that easy. You want to be my student, he says. You want to be my student. What's your answer, church? What's your answer? You want to be my student. You want to be my student, he says. You want, you want to learn from me. You, you want to be my follower. You want to serve and love the way I do. What's your answer? What's your answer? You might be like, yeah, yeah. And then he says, well, don't begin. Don't begin until you count the cost. Don't start until you count the cost. Some people may say, no, as long as you just start, start. You'll learn on the way. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, don't start until you count the cost. Count the cost. So, so Nest, listen, listen, family. I want us all to serve here. That's my, that's my heart, my prayer, and I've said that publicly from up here, that 100% of us would serve 100%. I want us all to serve. I want, us, I want us all to love here. I want all of us to use all that we have for his kingdom. How many of you would say amen? amen. But it all begins and it will only begin when we start to personally, individually, counting the cost. So, so he says this in verse 28. Don't begin until you count the cost. He doesn't stop the statement there. He goes on to say this. For who would begin, he, he's going to paint a picture. I talked about mopping, but now he's going to get into a construction worker now. And look what he says. Who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? How many of you read this and say, that's wise. That's smart. If you're going to build something, Count the cost. Make sure you have enough money to build it. That's, that's actually a smart statement. That's actually something that we should all do. So what is Jesus saying? What's the heart behind this? What is some of the teachings behind this? He, he's telling the, the followers or the crowds who are, he's drawing followers in from the crowds. He's, he's calling them to sit down and see if they could afford to follow me. That, that's my message today. It's afford to finish. Will you afford, can you afford to follow me? Look what he says in verse 29. He, he introduces this picture of a construction a builder. And in verse 29, he says this. Otherwise, because if you don't count the cost and say you have enough money to build what I'm trying to build. He says, otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. Jesus is telling the crowds, you don't want to be mocked at and laughed at. What he's basically telling is, he's telling the crowds and those that he's calling in to be disciples, he's telling them, hey, you're not to be a mockery, a clown that is one way, one day, and one moment, but in reality has not counted the cost to what he's really walking into. They're, they're going to laugh at you. And when you read verse 29 and all the context above it, it's the sadness and it's the shame to not finish what you started. And that's what, he's telling the, that's what he's telling the crowd. He says, hey, if you're going to start, make sure you've counted the cost to finish. How many of you have given your life to the Lord? How many of you started the race? Amen? None of us? All right, we'll do a, a calling of salvation, whatever that looks like. <laughs> but how many of us have, have accepted the call of God upon our lives? Amen? All right, I'm talking to the right people then. Then watch this. What good was it to start if you do not intend to finish it? And that's what Jesus is saying. Sit down and see if you could afford this. Finish what you started. Hey, listen, we're all called. You should write this down. We're all called to be a people that persevere. I'm called to persevere. We all have gifts, but can we be consistent? Because the truth is, not everyone perseveres in their calling how many of you have seen someone start how many of you have seen someone who has a great even platform and it's taken away and they could not persevere in their calling we've seen it we've been there we've walked alongside some of these people some of them we've seen them because they were public figures some of them it's some of our own friends and family people that we love some of us we've been there not everyone Faithfully finishes that which the Lord has called them to start. So Jesus gives this great advice. He says, count the cost. Great advice. Count the cost. We need fathers like that in our lives. Mothers like that in our lives. That say, count the cost. Count the cost. 
It's like the, the young person that wants to get married and wants to get married. Oh, okay, I just, I'm, I'm, I just need to get married. And you're like, you need to count the cost. You want to build that building? There's something to pay. Count the cost. Don't begin. Do not start if you have not taken time to really think about this. So, so I guess the statement is, or the, I guess it's a question, does Jesus mean so much to us that we're willing to sacrifice, surrender, lay down our lives to his service before we ever begin to construct or build up a life? Does he mean so much to us before we ever start a ministry? Verse 29, he's saying, hey, we'll be mocked because we started strong, but there was nothing in the one that was building that was able to afford to finish. Please listen to this as you take this test today and you pray about, man, God, just use me in the church. Lord God, use me outside the church. Here's, 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 my, um, here's my responsibility and here's my love for you to tell you this and my love for his word, to be honest in his word, to tell you this. As you begin to build, will you be able to afford to finish? In verse 30, Jesus goes deeper with this and he says, this is what they're going to say about you. They would say this in verse 30, Jesus says, There's, there he is, there she is. <laughs> There's the person. Can you imagine being there when Jesus is turning to the crowd? Like, how, is, he, is he acting it out like Rizzo does? You know how Rizzo comes up here and he acts out the whole thing like, man, Rizzo, you're so talented. And I wonder if Jesus does that. There he is. You know, he's, he's acting it out. There's the person who started that building and they couldn't afford to finish it. So, so what is Jesus saying so far? What, what are you receiving so far? The, 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 you know, you read this and this is the person who, who radically begins to tell everyone about their new venture. The one who, who puts his hand on the plow to the plow and his hand to the work. And, and at times he made a lot of noise doing it. Woo! Look what I'm doing. And we put it up on IG, you know. I fed 5,000 today. I, I, I preached to 20 today. 516.3 got saved today. So I'm, being, I'm being serious, you know. We, we, we can could, we could make a lot of noise. And, that's, and I'm not saying that's all bad, but we can make a lot of noise. The person who starts this. But he couldn't afford to finish. Not us, not Nest Church, not me, not Regal, not any of you that are my friends that are coming alongside, not our family. If we're going to do anything, if we're going to start, hey, this is to the end. We're going to finish it until God calls us home. I have to finish. I have to finish. Because then everything that I did was in vain. What was it for if I didn't finish? What are my kids going to say about me if I don't finish? What are people going to say about us? So if you're a disciple here, if you're a true follower here, right, a follower of Christ, you've experienced the hardships of building. How many of you have experienced the hardships of building? You're probably here like, I've never built anything in my life. I'm not talking about building for real. I'm talking about your own walk. How many of you have experienced hardships in building? Listen, my walk with Christ, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but has it been difficult? 100%. It's been difficult at times. Why? Because with His holiness is dealing a prideful man. With his goodness is dealing this corrupted heart at times. And it's a battle and that is difficult. Anyone with me or, or, or are you just all holy as he is holy and you've achieved greatness? All right, good. Because if not, I need to like forget my plans. Or I don't even care about the Super Bowl. I will go hang out with you if you've achieved that. But that's our struggle. It's this earthly man is dealing with this godly goodness. I don't know, I guess, what's the word that people always say is great to use? Awesome? And yet that word falls short. But you've experienced hardships of building. You, the, you, you, if you follow Christ, you know that there's a cost for construction, in construction, yeah? And it's been difficult at times, and uh, maybe I should just speak to myself, look at you like if there's a mirror here, and I'll do that. It's been difficult at times. You've wanted to stop at foundation. You, or maybe you... You got a little bit higher than the foundation as you're building. You wanted to end it at the third floor. But you kept plowing and you kept building. Come on, I'm wondering if I'm speaking to anyone here. Death came. And when death came, you kept building. People left you. 
And when people left you, you kept building. Money fell short, but you kept building. Life got hard, you kept building. 2020, 2021 showed up, but you kept building. It's been hard. You've had hardships. Why is it that you kept on building? Can I give you the answer? Hopefully you have it already. It's because you counted the cost. It's worth it. I've counted the cost as Jesus has said. You've picked up your cross and you follow him. You truly do, church. Because you loved him more than anything in this world. And you loved him through all the pain and circumstances that you have gone through, maybe going through. Because in your intimacy with the Lord, you made a decision. And it's this, I have counted the cost and I will afford to finish. How many of you can can join us and and join us to serve and love greater than you ever have? Like, we're we're inviting you to do that. to, to, To serve, to love greater than you ever have in your life. Amen, right? But come on, can you afford it? Is, it, is, is he worth it? Is the kingdom worth it to you? Can you count the cost? I'm asking any of you, are you in? Are you in? Come on, here's the uh, initiation. You know, back in the gangster days, you had to walk a line and they punched you a few times and hit you with a, a rock and a sock. That was the OG days. But now, we're just saying, are you in? Here's the initiation. Pick up your cross. If you're in right now, afford to finish. Count the cost. If you're in, walk the line and pick up the cross. And here it is. Be a disciple alongside other disciples and follow him, but afford to finish. Do the test. Figure out your gifts. How can you use them in the church? How can you use it outside the church? Here's a place where you could get accountable amongst leaders, under leaders. Hey, here's what I scored. What can I do? Where should I start? We'll help you and we'll pave the way for you. But it all starts with someone who says, man, I've counted the cost. And as I go forward, I will afford to finish. I'm not just in this to do something cool for this season. I'm in this because I've died and I live in Christ now. I'm in this. I'm affording to finish. How many of you can say, Jesus, that's enough. Don't say anything else. That is enough. Let me go home and chew on this. Let me go home and lay down in bed because I have a migraine after everything you just said. When I read the word, I get a migraine sometimes. Just, I'm drained. People are like, how come you get so tired after Sundays? How can I not be tired? Do you see the stuff that this, this is saying to us? This is not like, I've... <laughs> Flippantly, like, just saying things. Like, you know, like, this is 100% true. <laughs> Jesus is not like, oh, let me just say it. See what happens. No, he means it. So when you preach it, you're like, oh, my God. When you hear it, when you read it and you study it, you're like, oh, my gosh. Jesus, give us more. I don't know if you want to say that, but let's give him more. He says in verse 31, oh, okay, not only a construction worker, but how many of you? <laughs> Look what he says next. Oh, let me, let me give you another picture. <laughs> And he says, what king would go to war? Okay, now he's talking about a king going to war. Would war against another king without first sitting down with the counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. Verse 32, and if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Construction worker, a king, what is Jesus doing? Hate your mother, father, sister, brothers, even your own life. You want to pick up, be my disciple, pick up your own cross, follow me. Let me give you an instruction. Let me, like, wow. It's never a boring day with Jesus. And then he goes into this king, and then this king's way of thinking. And, and I say, well, what does it have to say about us here at Nest, Lord? What does it have to say about my own personal walk with you? And I felt like the Lord was saying, well, this is about truly putting thought, Rigo, into what you're getting yourself into. I want you to sit down constantly and really weigh out the options. Are you ready to surrender, church? Are you ready to give up all? Will your life be a living sacrifice to the Lord? Is that biblical? Yeah, it is. We could go, oh, so many scriptures. The famous one that we always quote is Romans 12. A living sacrifice. To give offering is not better than to 
give your life a sacrifice. To give sacrifice unto the Lord. My, my all, my being, everything of mine. To give it all to him. That's what I'm called. Will, will, will obedience unto him, listen please, will it, will it have more importance in your life than obedience to your comforts? You're going to do the test. You're going to figure it out. You're going to talk to a leader. We're going to say yes and amen. But then we say, hey, come on a Saturday. We need help. Oh, man. Oh, you want comfort. You, you didn't really mean it. You weren't really ready to, to account the cost. We needed you to come on a Saturday. We needed you to come a little bit earlier. Oh, I didn't know it meant that. Yeah, it's that all the time. It's counting the cost. It's, it's affording to finish. It's, it's put me in whatever is needed. As long as for the kingdom, I'll do it. Whatever scrubbing, whatever polishing, whatever aligning. Hey, and if I get called to preach, I'll be ready for that too. I was sitting with Omar, yes or no? And we were going over things in the, in the church. And I think we probably spoke for like an hour one day. And I said, Omar, you got everything I'm saying here? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. when we have enough time, then we'll talk about preaching. And he's like, that's, it's true, man. We haven't even spoken about preaching. I go, right, because that's the last thing that we do. The last thing we do is, is preach. Because it's not about that. It's not about a platform. It's the preaching that happens outside of this. It's everything else we do. It's the calling of God in our lives. And being faithful to it. It's counting the cost. It's not only counting it, but after you count it, I, I, I'm afford to finish it. I'm going to weigh out my options. I'm going to truly be obedient to him. It's more important than obedience to my own comforts. And trust me, sometimes I just want to be comfortable. And then the Lord starts to scratch at that comfortable. I'm like, yeah. How about if he tells you to sell it all? How about if he tells you to move? How about if he tells you to pick up your... Like, <laughs> think about that. What, be, what is walking in obedience to that looks like? What an encouraging Sunday this is. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I can't wait for you to do your gifts. And then I can't wait for you to count the cost of your gifts. I have that responsibility to tell you. I can't just, hey, everyone here, be activated and be used. And then there's no substance in this place. Because no one, everyone's serving, everyone's saying, I love you. And no one has afforded to finish and has counted the cost. So take the test. Get plugged in. Talk to the right person. But, but it's all going to start right here. Lord, I, I lay it all down. I, I weigh it all out. Verse 33. Let's keep going because we've got to wrap this up. So verse 33, he says this. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up, without giving up everything you own. God, all right, stop saying it. Giving up everything. Forsake all that he has, another translation will say. This, this phrase is the idea to say goodbye to. Say goodbye to. Goodbye. Goodbye. So Jesus has told us to say goodbye to everything that we have, entrusting everything to Jesus. You know, when we dedicate children up here, it's such a, it's such a Sunday religious act to do. But I always have to tell those parents, do you know what you're doing when we do this? You're basically dedicating them to the Lord, saying when this child becomes 20 years old and says, Mom, I'm going to go to the mission field and I'm going to serve the Lord. And if I die for Jesus, I'm willing to die a martyr's death for Christ. You have to remember that you dedicate him to the work of the Lord. <laughs> Are you sure you want to dedicate your child before God? It could be a doctor in the hospital across the street too. Don't get me wrong. Serving Jesus is not, doesn't mean just dying for him in another country. or Serving Jesus could be a teacher and a doctor. We get it. But whatever it is, like it's, it's that dedicating to the Lord. It's, it's, oh, forsaking all. Say goodbye to everything. This child now belongs to him. I'm called to do well in raising this child, but, 
But after I'm done, the Lord takes this child where this child needs to go. So Jesus urges the people and still does the same with us. So only Christ can speak some words some thousands of years ago, and yet it's, it's as if he's, what? No, that, that would be heresy. He's here right now, still saying the same thing. There you go, that's the right statement. He's here right now, saying the same thing. Only Jesus can do that. So he urges them, think about what it would mean to follow me. And as you follow me, don't take it lightly. So the leadership here, the leadership here in our church is, is calling all of us to serve. It's calling you to serve. And the reason why we're urging you and leading you in this is because we feel in a fasting and in prayer and seeking him, we feel that we've heard from the Lord that this is the year, that this is the time, this is the moment to rise up and exercise the gifts that are in all of us. Amen? That Nest Church would be a family that finds joy and fulfillment in serving. Uh, listen to this. That none of us would consider that one is greater than the other. But that each one of us, with gifts that have been given to us from our Heavenly Father, will learn to enjoy greatness. <laughs> will learn to enjoy greatness in the posture of being a servant to all. A slave to all. Wow. Jesus says this to his disciples, just so you can know I'm not making this up. As we wrap this up, he says in Mark 10, 43 and 44, he says, whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave, a slave to all. Jesus' very own words. How many of you can afford to finish? How many of you started the race and you're saying this? I'm not just running this race until it gets difficult, then I'm just going to stop. No, you've counted the cost. You said, I'm running this race. And, if, and this, is, this is to the end. Until my life, to all of my being is, is with him in all eternity. So what do I do? What do I do in the meantime? In the meantime, I, I use my gifts faithfully. I steward it well. And I recognize that, that this is my gift to the Lord and for his people. And it's my life laid down at all times. To afford to finish while being here on earth. I, I guess I want to end with this. I wasn't sure I put it here just in case I wanted to end it. But I'll, I'll end with it just because I love it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this up. I, I, I was reading on my alone time, not my preparing or thinking about what I was going to preach to you guys. Or, but on my alone time, just so you can know where I'm at, I wonder where you guys are at. Talk to me today. I'd love to hear where you, what, what you're studying, what you're reading, or what you're doing in your time with the Lord. But I, I read a Proverbs every day. I just love to read a Proverbs every day because I pray for wisdom every day. So I read a Proverbs to hopefully gain some wisdom every day. But I'm also going through 1 Samuel and, and 2 Samuel, and I'm, I've exited out of 2 Samuel now, as you'll tell by what chapter and verse I'm going to talk to you about now. And it's a moment in David's life, uh, so we don't, I'll give you a little quick summary. It's a moment in David's life when um, he, he pretty much sins against the Lord. Let me tell you what he did. What King David does is, he's fought so many battles already. And in so many of these battles, he's already seen the faithfulness of God, how he's had victory in all these battles. As a matter of fact, David is already, we already read in these passages that David has these mighty men that do crazy things for him. They break Philistine lines and just to come and bring him water. And when David gets the water, he spills it on the floor and says, I can't drink this water after you gave your life to me for it. Can you imagine being one of those men? No, no, you drink that water. We almost died. I wonder if they got mad at him. But it was the symbolism behind that, the meaning, I can't do this. I'm not worthy of drinking this. I mean, he had men that killed thousands at one, at just one, one would kill thousands and one chased a lion and killed a lion with his own hands. I mean, 
David's men and David himself was mighty and God was always there. Like you don't need quantity because you have quality. You have the presence of the Lord. You have God that fights your battle. Stop looking at, at having a bigger army when you have the army of, of heaven that fights on your behalf. So David being fleshful. I mean, come on. Can we, can we imagine being fleshful? How dare he? David thinking carnally. Because we never do. We never think carnally. He, he calls out a census in the land. He says, go and find out how many men I really have. So his commander, his chief, his confidant comes up to him and says, David, why are you doing this? Why do you... I hope, David, that when you get the, your numbers, your army is bigger than you could ever imagine. The Lord blesses you with a mighty army. I hope that you get the results you're, you're, you're asking for, David. He tells him this. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's what he tells him. But he loves David so much and he loves Israel so much that he's going to confront him with truth. He says, but David, why are you doing this when it's not about having a big army, but you already know that God fights for you? And that's all that matters. It's what he tells David. David is struck by so much conviction. <laughs> by someone telling you, you know what you need to do? You need to go and set up an, an altar now. <laughs> and you need to give worship and you need to give an offering to the Lord because of what you've done. And David's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And in chapter 24, the last verse that I... <laughs> so good. Verse 24. Here's King David. David from Hialeah, I mean King David, the most powerful man on earth. He comes to this man's field and he says, hey, I want to buy your field for, for this amount of silver. And the guy's like, no, King David, you're my king. Whatever, whatever's mine is yours. You don't have to pay me anything. You're the king. Take it all. This is all a service unto you. I mean, we could preach 2 Samuel 24 from so many different angles, but that's not what I want to do right now. I just want you to see the heart behind this. Everything of mine is yours, David. And, and David looks at this man and he says, I mean, in his mind, I'm, I'm probably thinking, right? That sounds like a good deal. I don't have to pay anything. It's mine. I could just take it. I could build up an, off, uh, an altar and do my worship right here. But that's not what David does. David is struck. David is hidden his heart. David comes to a place where he recognizes what counting the cost is. Yet again in his life, it's a reminder. And I want just to share with you David's reply to this man. And then we're done. I hope you enjoy this. Let's put it up on the screen. Watch this. He says, no. No. I insist on buying it from you for a, for a price. For I will not offer, come on, to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Jesus. Sorry. I've walked with the Lord long enough. I've walked with the Lord long enough to know that there's a cost. And though I may be your king, I'm not his king. I have to pay them. I have to afford to finish. I have to weigh this out. I need to pay the cost. I got to give this to the Lord. I can't come to him and offer him what's of no value. I need to come to him and offer him will cost me everything. I want you just to examine yourself.
Where are you right now? Can you afford to finish? Can you come before the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, here I am at your altar and this has cost me everything. Now, what David says in 2 Samuel 24 is exactly what Jesus was saying in the passage that we read earlier. It cost me everything. I can't do something that doesn't cost me nothing. And in my life, Lord, it cost me my family. It cost me everything that I love. Everything is for your service. Everything is yours. Lord, I've come to a place I've learned that this is not just starting. But we're calling people in our church, don't just start serving. But as you start, this is all about having a mindset that this is to the day that we finish. And I'm going to count the cost. And I'm going to decide that I have enough. I can afford to finish this race. So as I come come to the presence of the Lord, to his altar, I don't come with nothing of any cost before him. I come with all of me. It cost me this, Lord, to continue to serve you. And it's so worth it. I'll do it again. So as you think about going home today and praying about your spiritual gifts, as you think about this week and how can I serve at church as you think about everything we've spoken about in the last few weeks we love you enough here at this church we love you enough here at this family to also be honest with you and tell you difficult things like telling you hey make sure you weigh this all out and before you start building before you start going to war Make sure you count the cost. And before you take this risk, before you take a step forward, I challenge you. The Lord challenges you. His Spirit, His Word does. It asks you, do you have enough? Do you have, can you afford to finish? Is this to the end? Are you committing your life fully to me? If your answer is yes to the Lord, then welcome. Let's go make war, amen? Let's go, build, let's go build buildings. But if your answer is like, well, I don't know. I'm, let me go back home and let me go bury my father and let me go say goodbye to my family. The Lord's like, no. Are you willing? Are you willing to offer it all right now? If it's so, welcome. Let's build the buildings and let's fight the wars because you've counted the cost and you could afford to finish. Wow, look at all these gifts. But can they all afford to finish? I hope the answer is yes and amen. All these gifts, as Rizzo has said, they afford, they can afford to finish to the end. So Lord, as we pray, I say yes, Lord, and I thank you. And I thank you for everyone that's here, those that will watch this, those that will hear this, that they would count the cost afford to finish with the gifts that you've given them that they would know that when they come before you that they can't give to you what cost them nothing but that they would give to you what cost them they've paid the price they've afforded it and their lives are in total surrender and submission to you so Lord we thank you for this morning what a beautiful morning you've given us a beautiful morning of rain a beautiful morning of worship, a beautiful morning of fellowship, a beautiful morning of biblical truth. What a beautiful day you've given us. But Lord, I pray that every single one of us could answer that call truly within, right now, in the altar of their heart. Let us start answering that call right now. Maybe you're here or maybe you're listening and as we close off here and you've never accepted Jesus in your heart I want you right there where you're at to say Lord forgive me for my sins 
It's something that we believe heavenly on here. It's biblical. It's called repentance. Lord, I repent. I repent of my sins. I turn away from my sin and I turn to you. I repent, Lord. I know and I recognize that my thoughts and my heart, they haven't, they've been evil. They've done wrong. So Lord, here I am with all of me, my sins, my, my good, my bad, the beauty and the ugly, everything. And I say, Lord, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. And today, Lord God, I receive you as you receive me. Say that in your heart right there. Say amen. If you say that today, if you're watching online, can you email us? Info at Nest Church. We want to reach out to you and tell you what to do next. But if you say that in your heart right there and you really mean it, don't leave here. I will stay here and grab me and say, hey, I said whatever you told me to say. What, do you mean? what did you mean by that? And I want to have a talk with you. I want to help you with what's next. Maybe you're just here and you're going to answer the call and you're finally going to say, you know what, I'm going to count the cost. I see what Rizzo says. Look at all these gifts. I have gifts. But today I'm going to count the cost. I'm going to start praying into this. I'm going to really weigh this out because I want to afford to finish. I want to end, I want to, I want to end better than how I started. We invite you and we invite you to one of our teams. We invite you to schedule a meeting. We invite you to start having that conversation because this is the place for you to be held accountable and to be used to do great things for his kingdom. Amen? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And as we stand, we're just going to sing this song as I feel the Holy Spirit is just really tugging and speaking to our hearts. I would like to just take a moment where my voice, I could just stay quiet. And as they sing over this house, I want you right there where you're at just to worship him and maybe come to prayer. And in a minute or so, Omar will come up and close up. But but give your heart right now to the Lord and let this be a pure, genuine, intimate moment of prayer between you and your God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.